Christmas everyone, it's me Jim Sterling and it is the Christmas one of Pod Position which means the same old bollocks as usual but maybe I'll put some bell sound effects in there somewhere. Uh, hello everyone and hello to my usual lovely friends Laura Kate, hello. Merry fucking Christmas to every one of you. And Gav, Miracle of Sound, Gavin Dunn, hello. <laughs> Happy Christmas, woohoo! Okay, well, that's that bollocks out of the way. <laughs> Same time again next year. Um, right, yes, it is... What day is it today as we record this? The 22nd? Yeah, it's we're recording 22nd. a bit early. We're recording early because um, otherwise we'd be recording on Christmas Eve and Lord knows we've all got better things to do without... Well, I oh, don't. For but... to speak for yourself. I have nothing better to be doing. I might as well have been doing this Christmas Eve. But it's mainly that the people listening to this hopefully have more of a social life and don't want to listen on Christmas Day. I don't Let's know. Some. Of, I've known some of the people that listen to the podcasts I do. I've known a couple of them for many years and I can guarantee you they have nothing better to do. Most of them are part of a Facebook group where they trade pornography between each other. Uh, I say that as if I'm above what they're doing. I'm, well, I'm well it is the season for giving, so, uh, you know, I have to respect their decisions there to share their pornography with others. That is very true, and ask me for my P.O. Box um, in any channel on my AskFM or Facebook or whatever if you would like to send me pornography for Christmas. Not saying you have to, but... It'd be nice, you know, because it is the season. Anyway, that's enough of that. Um, what the hell are we talking about? It's actually Gavin who's got stuff to do because he's got a family and a life. Uh, so, <laughs> so the rest of us, you know, we could have done it. I could have done it Christmas Day, uh, and I probably couldn't have done it Christmas Day. But anyway, uh, we're here now. You're going to get it early, so that's a lovely Christmas present for you. Uh, what the hell are we so, talking about? I've got a thing we can talk about this week. Mm-hmm. Tetris mm-hmm. came out on the PlayStation 4 this week and it's fucking broken. How the fuck do you break Tetris? How That's the fuck exactly do you what break Tetris? What? Electronic <laughs> Arts owns Tetris these days, don't they? That'll be your answer. If if anyone can find a way to break anything, it's going to be Electronic Arts, Ubisoft or Activision. They find ways of doing it. Is it now an always online uh, experience where you pay to unlock the uh, four four straight blocks? Well, at least if that was the case, that there would be an actual excuse for it being broken. But no, it is literally just Tetris. The the game where the blocks fall down, the game that you can play on a fucking calculator. The doesn't one that's work code on the would probably 4. fit on a floppy disk. <laughs> well, exactly. It, it doesn't work on the PlayStation 4 and they can't work out why and they haven't patched it to fix it yet, I don't think. <laughs> In what way is it broken? Wow. Like, what, what's the... I'm, I'm imagining frame rate issues, <laughs> like, like, like the frame rate struggling. How do you break Tetris? I mean, as it's, far as it's I'm like, aware, there were like there were some un, like unplayable frame rate issues, and then people were having glitches where things didn't work properly. It's fucking Tetris. There actually yeah. were frame rate issues. That's amazing. I'm gonna Google this. I need to look I'm this try up. And find what were the Tetris PS4 uh, broken? Ubisoft. Oh, it's Ubisoft. <laughs> Is it Ubisoft? <laughs> Hey, Gavin, do you want to talk about Tetris? No. (laughs) (laughs) I promise, Gavin, when I I mentioned this story, I did not think that it was Ubisoft. I did not realise that going in. I'm so sorry, Gavin. (laughs) Okay. Okay, so Greg Miller at IGN was talking about all these issues. Um, What have we got? Uh, Apparently, not even the Ubisoft logo works without stuttering and shuddering. Uh, that's incredible. Oh, goodness. Um, 
Yeah. I'm just uh, trying to find where is the... Yeah, game-breaking uh, game breaking bugs. Um, it's glitches that were happening where, like, you couldn't slot the, slot the shapes into line properly. They wouldn't line up and fit into the gaps properly because of spacing glitches. Um, you try and, like, select one of the gameplay modes and you can't get onto the mode because, like, it, the menu doesn't work properly. Um this, there were controller Jesus. inputs that were registering too late, meaning that blocks landed where you didn't want them to. Uh, oh I'm looking at videos now, like just yeah, it's running, it's running like like a laptop would try and run a fully released sixty dollar game. Apparently, Ubisoft's response is they're saying, "Oh no, no, this wasn't to do with our game being broken. It was because Greg Miller, who was playing it, had too many friends on his friends list." And Greg's response was, "Was well, these lag problems were. First of all, these lag problems were there, like when we did it at preview. This isn't a new problem. And second of all, since when is having too many friends a problem that should affect video games? Yes, yeah, that doesn't. Can't, you can't play Tetris. You're too popular for Tetris. Yeah, that that doesn't make the game sound better. Like that that makes it sound worse because that's that's the stupidest problem I've ever heard of. I would rather them have just said like." Like, no, it's broken because we fucked up. To be fair, I remember uh, in about fourth year of school when I started making more friends, I did play less video games. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean... Did, did, did you decide to be like, oh, I'm, I've, got, like, I've got more friends, I'm going to snap my video games in half so they no longer work properly? No, it, it was more kind of like, now I've discovered guitars. People like me when I play these for them. <laughs> So that I think Ubisoft should bring out a press release that just says, "Play a guitar, play yeah. a guitar, and play, then play a guitar, and you'll make more friends." Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's, it's a bad sign. It's a bad sign when like I have a Game Boy in like a black and white Game Boy in my drawer that's probably fifteen, twenty years old right now, that will play Tetris better than the new PlayStation Four will right now. That's not a good sign, Ubisoft. <laughs> it is one of those you had one job situations. One of those that we're like. I don't I don't know how Tetris breaks. I don't know how that breaks. That's that is like bringing out cubic tennis balls. That's like it's like going to the pub and p setting up Connect 4 and the Connect 4 crashes. Yeah, it's like putting on your socks and then your house burns down. Like like it just <laughs> it makes no sense. There's no physical reason. There is I don't believe it. I don't believe okay. it. From the looks of these videos I'm watching, like it is, it is a case of like, hey, I'm going to, I don't know, I'm going to cook this item of food in my freezer. Let's select the item of food in my freezer, and you go to pick it up, and your hand just kind of keeps moving past where you wanted it to go, and you're like, oh, looks like I picked up the wrong thing now because my hand wouldn't stop moving. That's insane. I, <laughs> I can't even think Fucking, of funny uh, jokes about this situation because it is itself. It, the the it, biggest yeah. cosmic joke. <laughs> oh my fucking god. Ubisoft. I'm really sorry. I was trying to pick a target that wasn't Ubisoft this week. I was like, let's be mean to someone else. Let's talk about Tetris because, you know, we've been really mean to Ubisoft recently. We should. It's Christmas. We'll give them a present. We'll give them some time off. And fucking hell, it's Ubisoft. They do it to themselves. They do it to themselves. <laughs> like, this, this is out of our hands now. This is beyond my control. <laughs> I did. I could release Tetris. 
I could do a better job of Tetris. Do I know how to code? No, I could do better than Ubisoft at Tetris because I'm not Ubisoft. I could make Tetris better with a sheet of paper, um, a pair of scissors and a pen. Exactly. Granted, I would have to move the pieces myself, but I would be able to move them where I was aiming to move them. It would work. Your system works. That's the difference. <laughs> Unbelievable. Um, talking of Tetris, though, you made a joke earlier, Gav, about um, the the pay, like, free-to-play, always-online stuff in Tetris. Mm. That has happened before. Electronic wow. Arts, back when they were doing Tetris, they found a way to fuck it up in a different way. Um, I did a story on this on Destructoid. I'm going to try and look it up. Destructoid EA Tetris Mobile. They released a mobile Tetris thing. There we go. Uh, they put subscription charges into it. Um, they had a, a Tetris game, and it cost $29.99 a year, and you'd get different in-game content and faster leveling up. Because they put leveling up in wow. Tetris, because of course they did. And then they'd get discounts. Oh, yeah, they... That was the best bit. 30 bucks a year for Tetris, and it would give you discounts on downloadable content for Tetris. So what is it like? You get a, a, like, a, a different shape? You get like the triangular Tetris piece you've got to deal with now? or I'm not sure, to be honest. I'm not sure exactly how it went, because I don't think it lasted very long. Um, when did they do this? This was a few years ago now. This was 2011. And... Uh, yeah, I don't know exactly... I don't think it... it I, let's just say I don't think they got many um, subscriptions lasting more than a year. And, yeah, I have no idea, but, but that's that's how these companies do. Like I said, the, the unholy trinity of Ubisoft, Activision, and, and EA, like, if there's a way to fuck it up, they will find it. They will diligently find it. There's a very um, a very unique emotion, and I don't know if you guys have ever felt this, but it's a very unique emotional reaction I sometimes get to DLC stuff that I've never felt about anything in any other medium. It's kind of like a mix. It's like when you see this game you're interested in, it's like, yeah, and then you look at the, the, the way they're trying to sell you the DLC stuff, and they're like, add this add the this weapon or whatever and they have this really exciting description of the weapon and why you should download it there's this very unique emotion that's like a mixing of cringing and resentment i've never felt it towards anything in any other medium before <laughs> it's weird Crendingement. that's what i call that feeling Crendingement. Yeah. <laughs> um it just it's like devaluing the the art so much oh yeah i mean that to it, me that goes back to what we were talking about, uh, I think it was last week, with the, the Last of Us kill animations. Just when, when there's a chance to make money, the art doesn't fucking come into it. Um, this, this is something I've said on, on a somewhat older Jimquisition episode where I said that I love video games as art. I hate them as a business. Like, I hate video mm. games. When we just talk about the game industry and the business and the, the men making the decisions, like, I hate video games so much because I love them. Video games, video games are like, they have so much potential to be this like this artistic medium that's all about like, let's take take this story that you can't experience yourself and put you in those shoes and make you make all of these experiences yourself and have all this agency within a story, and then it's just wrapped up within this. This is our artistic medium. However, if you want to experience the full version, pay us a little extra and we'll throw in another couple of sprites and guns and mm. splodge balls and whatever the fuck we're putting in. And have a blurb that goes something like, 
harness the power of the ancient something tribe with this amazing mask add-on <laughs> and you're just like oh yeah. oh dear so my eye just literally just puked out my eyeballs when i read that so merry christmas anyway <laughs> merry christmas indeed i've got food to talk about again this week that's because that's the fucking thing i do hey. well that's seasonal also, can i just say if anyone noticed that i wasn't swearing as much as normal last week there was an 11 year old girl sat behind me so you know i can swear as You're much as i fucking well want this week, week. Fucking bollocks balls you've been making up for it fucking i think last week affected compass. you <laughs> i know <laughs> i don't know merry compass <laughs> <laughs> I have these swear words that are just built up in my head now. Mm-hmm. This is a very important outlet for my swearing, and as such, I'm here I'm now just like, cunt nugget, fuck ball. Exactly. Well, we're here to exercise demons. Cunt nugget, I like that. <laughs> so, that anyway, I've got food to talk about. <laughs> are you? I'm assuming you've been eating McCain fuck nuggets. <laughs> oh no, it was cunt nuggets and fuck balls. That's it. <laughs> cunt nuggets and fuck balls. No, I've been eating... Raphael from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles' favourite pizza from Pizza Hut. I'm glad you said the rest of it, because you got as far as eating Raphael, and I'm like, oh dear. (laughs) Well, if that was an option on Pizza Hut's menu, maybe, but unfortunately they haven't yet put him on the menu, so... (laughs) Thank God. This This was a pizza that Pizza Hut in America was doing, and I don't know if they're still doing, and they were doing it in England, and they definitely aren't doing it in England now. So I looked up the recipe, and I was like, fuck it. Pizza Hut are not going to stop me from trying Raphael's favourite pizza. So I looked up the ingredients and ordered a custom pizza that had all of the things on it. So That's clever. This is my unofficial... Yep, I've gone around Pizza Hut's back in order to get the Raphael pizza because they didn't want my review going out. They, they cancelled selling this pizza so I couldn't review it in the UK. I was like, fuck that. I'm going to review the pizza. So You better be careful. If they find out, this could be some born conspiracy level shit they're about to throw at you. <laughs> Am I going to lo- like wake up unconscious, no idea who I am, have to go on the run yeah, from the people, Pizza Hut police? People you've known for years won't know who you are. You'll be like, it's me, it's me. And they're like, I do not know this person. And and then you get chased by men with glasses and bits of curly wire that come out of their ears and go into their collars. I am willing to take that risk because this pizza was just that worth it. That's, so. be- that's why you're the best of us. I'm, I'm going to read this description just word for word. Um... The bad boy goes for all meat with seasoned pepperoni, <laughs> all of Italian sausage, hardwood smoked bra- bacon, and crumbled beef. Because Raphael is a bad boy that likes his meat. Wow, that's uh, so. Uh, he likes. He that's, particularly that's likes ruin, all natural that's Italian ruin some sausage. Childhoods. Oh God! Raphael's a bad boy who likes all natural Italian sausage and all of the meat. I want to eat the bad boy's crumbly beef. <laughs> Oh god. So, yes. Well, actually to be fair, being a turtle, being a turtle, he probably has a frighteningly gigantic wang. Have you ever seen turtle cocks? Yes. Their their cocks are crazy. They're terrifying. I mean, they're they're the stuff of, you know, fucking nightmares. (laughs) They're like Lovecraftian horrors. Mm On the Pizza Hut website where I found these ingredients, there's a picture of Michelangelo who's holding a baseball bat, and I'm like, that's size-wise, sure that's, that's about right bat? for... <laughs> well, exactly, that's about right the right size that he might just be swinging his cock about, but... Um, yeah. yeah, I should talk about this pizza. <laughs> yes. It was a very meaty pizza with uh, all these little cheesy bite dough things on the outside. Forget about them. They're not important. What's important is this pizza was meaty as fuck. It was just so much meat. I put it in my mouth... I couldn't breathe because of all that meat going down my throat. 
Italian natural sausage. Raphael likes to choke on his meat. I, I almost <laughs> choked on Raphael's meat, but um, <laughs> thankfully, thankfully, I slowed down and ate, uh, I, I put his meat into my mouth more slowly, and everything was everything was fine. I survived. It was it was an exhilarating experience. I'll tell you that. And how was the cheese on? How was the cheese on his meat? I hope it wasn't too pungent. It was it was white and gooey and warm. It was we're, quite nice in my mouth. We're three more meat jokes away from a carry-on film. <laughs> I can't do Kenneth Williams. I'm going to do my... I can't do the voice. Matron. I can't do... I think I've got a problem doing impersonations. Yeah, every time you do an impersonation, I think you're about to do a poo. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's strenuous work. <laughs> okay, so yeah, that my 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 closing thoughts on Raphael's favorite pizza. Yes. Um um I enjoyed the the white warm gooey liquid and the all natural Italian sausage were my favorite parts of Raphael and his meat being in my mouth. Awesome. Excellent. Um so I think the I think the headline for this week's podquisition should be um turtle dick cheese. Yes. We'll make that happen. Um yeah. Bra- brackets Merry anyway, Christmas. Do we have anything else to talk about? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's what it. Eighty minutes in, we'll close, close it off here. <laughs> yeah, we're not going to top that. Um, no, no, no pun intended. <laughs> okay. Um, right. Oh God, Calm I can down. actually. I have somewhere we can kind of segue from that. Okay. Um, Thank God. I I played I played a game this week called Coming Out on Top, which. Which, as you might imagine, is a gay dating sim. Okay. Okay. And <laughs> it's it's one of these visual novel, just like click through the text and pick what you want to say type things. And mm-hmm. pick the handsome anime boy that you want to go out with. But it's really funny in its writing. And particularly great is the fact that every other sentence is a dick joke. And it's just wonderful. Yeah, it's it's all just every other sentence is something like, um, oh, he penetrated me with his gaze. And... It's all just dick and gay jokes, and it's wonderful. I don't know why I say, oh, God, as if I'm disgusted. As if if we are above it. As if we're somehow better than that, when we're we're several shades worse. Um, In fact, that sounds positively intellectual. Well, it's it's just like, it's a very nicely written game about someone who's literally just come out and five minutes later gets dragged to a gay bar. And I'm just That's laughing my head off at the fact that every every sentence is a penis joke, and it's wonderful. Well, that, that's it. It's it, the moment you come out, you literally start like literally start swimming in cock, and I mean like a, a Scrooge McDuck money bank of cock. You you dive into you dive into a big swimming pool of cocks, and then pop out and spit a, a line of cocks out of your mouth. As, as if that that it's it's a Ducktales joke that I'm making there. It's a Ducktales reference, but with dicks is the joke. So it's basically like Scylla Black hosting Bulletstorm. <laughs> oh god! Like I I got like ten minutes into it, and like it, it this blonde Cockney man comes up, and he's big and muscly, and he's just like, "I've got to go home right now, but I like you. Here's my phone number. Phone me so we can fuck a bit." <laughs> it's a very again, good game. 
Again, that's how well, it that's works. That's pretty straightforward. That's, pretty honest. Got to appreciate that kind of honesty. It's fairly realistic. That is exactly how my love life goes. So, <laughs> yeah, it seems about right to me. Uh, okay, well, that's good. So we've got... We, we've we've noshed down on Raphael. Um, we made fun of Ubisoft. We got that out of the way early, thank Christ. Uh, talked about dicks and penises and gay dating. That's excellent. That's the holy trinity right there. This this is the most festive podcast in the game industry. So we could stop right now, but we're not going to because we're going to talk about something else. Um, Christmas. Let's let's try and keep it festive. Uh, what what are you doing for Christmas? I'm sitting alone in a flat by myself. Happy fucking Christmas to me. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, my partner's my partner's gone off to Malta to go see her father. So, I Aww. I hope I might be seeing some friends who are also lonely people and have no one to spend the day with. So I might be going to spend the day with them. That might be the plan. But you know, currently it's going to be Christmas. Just like Happy Christmas to me. Where the fuck did everybody go? <laughs> oh, yeah, I feel sad. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, that was meant to be more... I was meant to try and make that into some kind of amusing anecdote and it just came off as I'm having a depressing Christmas. You can come to my mum's house on Christmas, Laura. <laughs> it's like just a ferry, ferry right away. <laughs> Are you sure you want to invite me to your house for Christmas, considering that I did this evening come up with cunt fist and ball nuggets or whatever it Not only that, she, yeah. she will bring like like self-constructed turtle pizzas and just eat them instead of Christmas dinner. Just 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 a big like 12 incher on the table. Just 12 inches of Raphael's meat. Ow! Yeah, you know, working class Irish family, I think we're, we're there's pretty much nothing you could say that would offend them. That sounds like a challenge Gav. I might have to go yeah. over next year and have a very yeah. Jim Sterling Christmas with Gav. Yeah. I think that would be a brilliant idea. <laughs> My granny would be particularly fond of you, Jim. So, Gav, what are you doing? Um, I'm doing the same thing I do every year, which is just seeing my family, because they're kind of... Our family is really kind of scattered and dysfunctional, so we get together basically just once a year, and it's really nice. I really enjoy it. Because <laughs> my mum lives in Jordan, so we don't see her often. So we're, uh, we go down and we stay in the west of Ireland in a little cottage. We rent out a cottage for a week, and we go down and sit by the fire and just get really drunk and talk. That's what Christmas is to me. Was that really boring? Sorry. <laughs> you could have made something up, yeah, because you said you're going to the moon or something. All right, I'm going to get pissed drunk, go out in the street, puke out my ears, and start a fight. <laughs> that's better. That's, <laughs> that's all I ask. That's probably that's probably what all the our American listeners think that I I I do at well, Christmas people, <laughs> in this country. <laughs> people listen to this podcast for geographical stereotypes. For instance, yeah. I'm going to be having a an American Southern Christmas. Which means I'm going to go and just just watch Fox News and be racist for a few hours. Uh, and you're going to be very British, so drink lots of tea and be sexually repressed. Exactly. It's it's going to be an amalgamation. We we like to bring culture together here. So yeah. we've got the best of Mississippi culture, racism, and the best of British culture, which, to be fair, is more racism. So it <laughs> we just double down on all the the, the bigotry for Christmas. Oh God. There is English racism video game news this week. Um, oh dear. I don't know how I don't know how much the Americans will know about like the stupid English. Uh, it's called UKIP, which is basically like the the British version of the Nazis. Uh. They're like the worst, most racist, most discriminatory 
party that exists in, in they are, England. For our American listeners, a good approximation, as, as someone who's, who's gotten to experience the delights of both, a very close approximation would be the Tea Party. Uh, very similar, yes. And basically, this week, some school kids got in trouble because they made a game about the leader of this party, Nigel Farage, and made a video <laughs> game about how shit he is. And Nigel Farage got very upset and wrote a very scathing thing and it all got very, very exciting because there's currently like a big battle of opinion going on between some school kids that made a silly game about how Nigel Farage is a bit shit. Well, he he clearly knows how to alienate young people. I read a newspaper article from from some British newspaper that... um, and I don't know why they, well, they considered it news, because some reporter overheard some children discuss one of their teachers, where they described him as, he looks a bit UKIP. And the story was, is UKIP the, the slang insult for a new generation? Uh, so apparently that's what the kids are doing now. Like, if they want to criticise some older person who they don't like the look of, then it is, he looks a bit UKIP. That's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> he looks a he looks a bit he looks a bit Mark from Peep Show. Yeah, basically. Um, so that's good. We we got off Christmas and back onto racism. Uh, so I found the game. It's um it's basically like a tap to run as far as you can type thing about Nicholas Fromage, who looks a lot like um looks a lot like um Nigel Farage, and he runs the U Kick Party, and basically you have to. Run, tap to run and then kick an immigrant as far as you can and kick them off of England. <laughs> and yeah. it's, oh it's, it's this wonderful game about just like run and drop kick an immigrant as far as you can and to make a point about how UKIP's a bit shit and he's not happy about it and he's made a very big public thing of being like these school kids made a game about me it's despicable yeah I saw a brief I, yeah, that's it. I saw a tweet this morning that mentioned Farage had called it pathetic. And it's like, okay, you could call the game pathetic, but you're the adult politician arguing with some random schoolboys. Uh, oh well. The kids, the, the kids who made it, apparently their, their, um, their head teacher did put out a response and said that um, the project was just a bit of fun and politicians should be able to <laughs> laugh at themselves. They well, should be go. able to, but when has a I politician mean, ever been able to laugh so. at themselves? Not only that, but a politician uh, who is racist being made fun of for being racist. Uh, you know, I mean, if you don't want to have the piss taken out of you as a politician, my advice, and this comes from, from many, many years in politics, um, I'm, I'm famous for that, uh, my advice is don't be racist. Oh, don't be racist enough that five eighteen-year-olds can embarrass you by making a thing. Like no one would know that this game existed if you hadn't gone. Well, these five kids no one's ever heard of made a game about me for school. Blah blah blah. That's what we talked about last year, or, or last week rather, <laughs> last year. Um, the, the game's probably like going to get huge now because it pissed him off so much. He is going to make that game a big success. Mm. Yeah, I tell you what, I'd vote for it on Steam Greenlight. That that I would. Uh, yeah. Uh, what else has happened? I've been playing a lot of The Binding of Isaac. Uh, the Binding I of Isaac. Keep hearing Rebirth. amazing things about that. It's so good. Um, around this time of year, I normally get like uh, one PS Vita game loaded up because you mm. know I go around visiting family people and stuff, uh, and 
have a, a lot more spare time because you know there's not as much to review and everything. So I normally get like one for around the holidays to keep me occupied. One PS Vita game. Last year was Spelunky. Year before that was Terraria. Um, this year's been Binding of Isaac because I am obsessed with it. It's incredible. Is it uh, a Vita exclusive or is it? Uh, no, no, it? it's it's on PC okay. uh, and PS4. Um, it's the Binding of Isaac Rebirth, which is kind of a full-on extensive remake of, of the original Binding of Isaac, which was a Flash-based game. Ah, oh, wow. It's kind of a top-down shooter that with, with roguelike elements, um, which Steam's full of, but this one does it way better than most of the shit that goes on Steam. Um, randomised dungeon layouts, randomised items. You play a little naked boy who's crying all the time, um, whose mother is trying to kill him because God told her to do it. A quick question: Is he crying audibly? Because I can see that getting old really fast. No, no, he's just constantly got uh, tears streaming from his eyes, and that's how he shoots. He blinks. The only thing I remember about that game is that um, one of the power-ups you can get, and that I got on my first run through trying to kill my mother, was a pair of your mother's underwear that you then run around wearing while you try and kill yes. her. So <laughs> it's a very strange game. Oh. You can vomit blood at people, I think stuff happens yeah there's different things you kill um, your mother wearing everywhere. your mother's underwear <laughs> yes there's shit yeah. everywhere it's okay wonderful. so it's norman bates simulator or? well the thing is is it's it's you know he's called isaac and it's based on that whole abraham and isaac story she's his mother is obsessed with fundamentalist christian television and then god tells her to kill isaac after wow. she takes all of his possessions. That's why he's naked, because she strips some of his clothes and everything he's ever owned. Wow. Um, and the game is just dark as fuck. Like, every power-up you get physically affects Isaac in some way. Like, you can get um, speed boosts and damage boosts by getting things like, like growth hormones or, or steroids, and they're like, cause him to become misshapen and twisted. Uh, you can get, um, con- like, like, Bits of fetus growing out of him that will shoot extra teardrops. That's how he fights. He blinks his eyes and it shoots little teardrops and everything. Um, There is a lot of of, um, parental issue stuff going on in there. A lot of uh, Christian religious allegory. Um, Incredibly dark stuff. Like some of the things, like like some of the upgrades are... um, Like the things that boost his speed are things like wooden spoons and belts... Uh, with the implication that his speed is going up because that's the stuff he used to run away from when his mother would come to beat him. Jesus. Like, really, like, like chilling stuff with this adorable visual style. Like, I described it in my review as the watership down of video games because it's got that adorable visuals hiding this really dark, tortured stuff. Oh, my God, that movie was so distressing as a child. Mm-hmm. Nightmare why, fuel. Why do parents let their children watch that movie? <laughs> The scene where the rabbits are in the getting squashed in the burrow was just, mm-hmm. just oh my god, what a nightmare! <laughs> I suspect most parents who show that to their children have not actually watched it themselves, and they're just like, ah, it's got animals in it, it's fine, they'll be fine. And they they assume the kids love it because they always go quiet when it goes on, and they don't realise that they're, they're quiet because their mouths hanging open in sheer terror and fear. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Like don't they, like aren't the rabbits all like murdering each other and tearing each other's ears off and like, yeah yeah it's like, I vaguely remember I'm... one caught in a trap with just horribly Jesus. lovingly animated rivulets of blood pouring down yeah. its face. See, and this stuff. this was pre-anime days, wasn't it? Where people kind of presumed anything cartoony was for kids. 
Mm. And you've just got children's that they're like, if I'm quiet enough, maybe the horrible, horrible visions won't find me this time I watch it. Maybe I won't yeah. have to see all the horrible things. Oh no, I wasn't well behaved and quiet enough. It's still a horrible <laughs> film and I want to cry. I believe Empire Magazine actually put Watership Down in its list of like the scariest horror movies of all time. Oh yeah, like, It was I in mean, its, its top 100. Even as an adult, it's almost more disturbing because you actually realise what's happening in those psychedelic sequences and mm-hmm. you realise yeah, the moral behind it all and it's it's, it's a really fucked up movie. Man. <laughs> it's like, I can't, even now I can't listen to fucking Art Garfunkel without shuddering. Um, no. My nan loves that song. Fucking bright eyes, all that shit. And I'm just thinking about dead rabbits. Yeah. Dead rabbits squashed into pieces in their burrows. Yeah. Um, so anyway, Binding of Isaac is that in video game form. Um, but it is a, a beautiful game. It's very addictive because obviously the whole randomized thing. And it's very luck based. You know, you can have these runs where you get all the good, cool upgrades oh, and really? feel awesome. And then you could get a run of shit upgrades. But Is unlike, it very difficult? Eh, there are difficulty settings. and okay. So it, it caters to terrible players like me. Sure, but as I say, it is very luck-based, and, and but in a way that works. Like, sometimes something that's based on luck feels like it is, you know, bad. Like, that's normally bad design, but there's something... Because they do it a kind of in a kind of way that appeals to the kind of kid who grew up getting things like mini boglins and monster in my pocket and stuff, where you could get random things and it, there was this excitement about what you get. That's how they do it. They manage to counteract any frustration of it being luck-based by making it just exciting. Because it's like, what will well, they, I get? They do it in such a way that even if you get all of the bad upgrades or all of the downgrades and you're doing, like, all of the luck stuff has gone as badly as possible, it is still possible to win. Like, it never feels like winning is impossible. You just have to be like, okay, let's just play better. And, like, each time you go through it is short enough that you can, like, if you do have to start over again, you're never more than, say, 20 minutes from, like, you could do another complete run in 20 minutes if you were lucky. So it's like, Uh, okay, okay, I've lost, but, you know, I've experienced new things. I'm better at this now. Let's jump in for another run. There'll be some random elements, so it'll be a bit different. Let's give it another go. Yeah. You just need a bit further each time. Even the amount of bosses and things in it are are, are random uh, to some degree. Like, there are some bosses that appear that are rarer than others, and it's like you might get one of the four horsemen of the apocalypse. uh, (laughs) Or you... Like, today, actually, I stumbled for the first time on um, the secret shield level and ended up fighting Satan. Um, for the first time, which was awesome. As I say, there's a lot of biblical stuff in there. Uh, but yeah. Yeah, I'm looking at a GIF now and it looks like Smash TV Rugrats Edition or something. I like, yeah. the first boss I the first boss I came across was like giant penis um penis worm that shits everywhere and you've got to avoid running into the shit or cry cry so much that the shit dissolves while trying to also kill this penis worm. Jim, did you design this game? <laughs> Oh, sadly not, but um, you, you can see why it appeals. Yeah, uh, yeah. Ed, Ed McMillan is is just his mind is something quite fabulous. Um, you know, he obviously did Super Meat Boy before this, um, yeah. which was was a bit more adorable and less dark, but was still about a little boy with no skin. So yeah, loving that. That's my Christmas game for the season. Is going to be playing lots more Binding of Isaac. I need to find some games like that to play over Christmas. Like so far. Like, this week, all I have done is play more Pokemon, because I'm a bit boring like that. I've just played 
so much Pokemon because god damn it they have perfected the art of making people obsessively play that game over and over whether mm-hmm. they want to or not no one wants to play Pokemon there's not a human alive who actually wants to play it they, they're compelled to play it that's how it works <laughs> I've never played Pokemon ever the, the problem is is they it's like crack they caught me early enough and like mm-hmm. with enough of a harmless like hey look at this look at this like cartoon it's fun you want to play this don't you and it festered like this little bit of obsessiveness inside of me that forever will just get worse and worse until I play a Pokemon game again. Like if I yeah. stop playing Pokemon, it will just itch away in my head until I'm like my only options are either claw off my skin in a fit of like heroin induced rage and just like, ah, oh, I need to pull my, peel my skin off or I need to play more Pokemon. And yeah, that and is the, the new problem Pokemon, with that fucking series. The new Pokemon comes out just in time for those cravings to get almost unbearable. And then it's like, it's oh, like, we've got a new you, one for you. It's like you are just starting to grind your teeth into flat surfaces, and it's like, okay, if this goes on any longer, I'm going to need to go to rehab. And then it's like, oh, there's a new Pokemon. I guess everything's fine for another year. Did you see that story that Yahoo wrote about how um, the latest Pokemon success was the worst thing to ever happen to Nintendo? Oh, it was, God, yeah, that, that was, was the almost, worst piece of writing I've ever seen. It was almost artistic in its wrongness. Because um, Pokemon, what's it, uh, Omega Red and, and Alpha um, Blue? Omega or, Ruby, Alpha Sapphire? Omega Ruby, Alpha Sapphire. There Pokemon we go. Pokemon Raz. I'm getting confused by the amount of bloody different names they have now. Um, <laughs> but yeah, th- that came out, sold like ridiculous amounts on the 3DS. Like, like millions and, and, you know... Still a massive cash cow. And Yahoo said this was... this The success was toxic. There's a word that's getting used too much now by everyone, now that it's become popular. Um, their toxic, toxic yeah. success. Like, I love that word, but it's been used so much lately. Um, so, you know, often in the right context, but... Yeah, wasn't that whole problem with it just that they were saying, like, because Pokemon was successful... Like, Nintendo aren't going to need to stretch themselves and they're not going to do all these things that they really should do. And as such, the fact that Pokemon is making lots of money for Nintendo means that Nintendo are going to die because they're not being innovative. They're only doing the things that are successful for them and are really cheap to successfully do repeatedly. Well, yeah, they're kill logic, Nintendo. Their logic is that the, they needed to fail on the 3DS so that they would stop supporting the 3DS. Um, because to them... Pokemon should be on iPhones and it should be on Androids, uh, and it should have mi- there should be microtransactions in Advance Wars and all this. Like Nintendo needs to be doing mobile gaming and microtransactions, and the fact that they are bucking all of those trends and still being successful is somehow a terrible thing. Can you um, imagine if if uh, EA owned Pokemon? <laughs> if EA owned Pokemon, Yahoo would be so happy. Um, because, yeah, they would they would have a twenty nine ninety nine subscription. Or if Ubisoft had it, they'd somehow stop it from working. And well, no, if, if Activision had it, we would have already seen the Amiibo thing going on with Pokemon, where you would have to buy a statue for every one. Every, every, every game would sell with, this definitely isn't my final form. <laughs> <laughs> Um, oh god! Yeah, so they're already—they've already been doing that in this um, in the new pair of Pokemon's. Like the last one they did, they were like, "Oh, you know those Pokemon that were fully evolved? Oh, you can use this special stone once per match, and you can evolve them even further." They've now gone the other way, which is some of your Pokemon. It's like, "Oh, use this special stone, and they'll unevolve into their primal forms." 
from the ancient history where they were stronger in the past. Oh, for fuck's like, sake. I don't even fucking understand anymore, except that I just have to... I have to fucking catch them all, Jim. I have to catch them all, Gavin. Help me catch them all. Never stop catching. Never stop. Um, but yes, so that that was Yahoo's assessment, was uh, that somehow being really successful by uh, not copying what every other fucking company's doing is a terrible idea. Um, and then, then everyone laughed at them. So that was fun. Well, I re-downloaded Enslaved, which was a great little game. Oh, the uh, um, Odyssey to the West. Yeah, a flawed game, but a great story. I thought, oh, I thought it was beautiful. Like, like it's yeah. it's lack of success. That that yeah. year was full of of things that should have done better. Um, yeah. Between Enslaved and Margin and the Forsaken Kingdom, like like it was a tragic year for awesome games that didn't get the love they deserved. Definitely, and I feel like if if something like Enslaved had come out this year, it would have been like such a it would have got rave reviews and everyone probably would have bought it because it would have been so different to anything that was well, out this year. That That's the thing, is Enslaved feels like it needed to come out at the start of a console generation when like, when everyone was doing the same thing just because they needed to rely on... like At the start of a generation, everyone relies on the franchises they know will sell. And that's when you need to throw out like an Enslaved where it's like, it's not perfect, but it's definitely new and interesting. I sometimes wondered if the name didn't hurt that game a little bit because I, I've always thought they should have just gone with Odyssey to the West, which much more would have summed up the kind of whimsical... I mean, yeah, it's a dark story, but it's full of hope. And I felt like Enslaved, to me, could have been just yet any other grey shooter that came out that year. Or, you know, it just... It's quite an ominous-sounding Enslaved. It's a very video gamey <laughs> name, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. And I think maybe people might have got the wrong idea of what kind of game it was due to that. Maybe I'm just well, didn't, imagining Didn't it things. release at the time when like Call of Duty was just starting to be the biggest thing in the world that everyone was buying and was never going to stop selling? COD 4 was the one that kind of exploded it, but then Modern Warfare 2 was the one that pretty much really exploded it. Yeah, well, like, I, I can't help but feel like some of the naming stuff that went on around that time was like, we have to have our game sound like it's about killing things because that's what sells... Well, it yeah. was more that 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 was around the time where one word titles were popular, yeah. one word powerful titles, bullet storm, like like putting things together and just having this one snappy thing enslaved. Um, whereas at the moment, it seems to be a lot more about the the violent killing things overtones, things with mm. blood or blade in the title, and you know, a bloodborne. Oh, Hellblade. speaking of. Fucking Bloodborne. I was looking at previews of that and oh my goodness, I cannot wait for that game. <laughs> oh wow, Bloodborne's going to own it, my 2015. <laughs> it does look compelling, I will give it that. I, I'm really liking that kind of gothic Victorian kind of look oh, it to looks, it. It looks amazing and it's got like the guy who created Dark Souls making it, so I mean mm -hmm. it's just... <laughs> I'm drooling every time I look at that game. <laughs> I think maybe next week we should do a full-on sort of what are we looking forward to next year piece of bollocks that all the other podcasts do. Yeah. Um, that'll that'll take up some time. Um, yes. So which week? Which week are we going to do our favourite games of uh, of this year? So um, I suppose we could do some of that now because I did the Jimquisition Awards went up today. Um, oh really? Where I named oh. my five bestest games. Ah, what did you pick? Uh, I did um, Alien Isolation, 
because mm. I love no that surprise game. there. Yeah, yeah, people were expecting that one. Um, speaking of ones people expected, I did Hyrule Warriors as well because, of course, I did. <gasps> Unbelievable <laughs> shock and horror! I am so amazed. <laughs> I also did this war of mine, uh, which is the depressing surviving in a war-torn country um, s- sort of management simmy type thing, which is just a beautiful game, just just gorgeous. Um, what else did I do? Super Smash Brothers, because Super Smash Brothers. And the the one that people didn't expect uh, was Oddworld New and Tasty. Oh. Yeah, that's the reaction it got. A lot of people going, oh. Well, that is okay. a fantastic game. So. Yeah, well, I gave it because some people uh, have argued that I shouldn't have given a, a remake uh, an award. And I'm like, well, well who wrote that rule? Um, yeah. You know, it's kind of it's it's an unwritten thing, but if it's unwritten, then I don't have to listen to it. Um, but I did give it to it because it wasn't just a remaster like all the other shit that came out this year. Uh, it was a full-on from the ground sort of overhaul, like a real remake. You know, they rebuilt that game, and the result was something awesome. Like the first Abe's Odyssey has aged really badly by my estimation. You know, I, last time I tried to play it, I had a terrible time. Because it has, it's just aged in such a poor way. It's clunky um, as hell, really. Absolutely. Clunky. I mean, yeah. it's it's the kind of game that should be the definition of clunky when people ask what that means in gameplay terms. Yeah. Uh, but new and tasty just overhauled everything, and it was a pure pleasure to play. And I think it is the only game this year that I reviewed and gave a f- like full complement of scores to. I think it's the only one I gave five stars um, during my entire tenure at the Escapist. Wow. Harsh, Jim. Harsh. <laughs> New and Tasty is really interesting in that, like, I look at it and I think that's the kind of treatment that, like, two weeks ago when we were talking about the PlayStation experience and their announcement of the PlayStation 4 getting Final Fantasy 7. I think that's what people were hoping for, is like this, hey, this game's aged really badly. Let's actually build it again from the ground up and make it look really good and put some love and effort into re- sort of getting this so it doesn't feel like an old game. Yeah, yeah. Um... I mean, I I personally don't think it aged too badly, the old Final Fantasy VII, but I do see why why some people would say so. Um, you know, it's a fair enough comment. Um, but yeah, I think if they'd have done that, like, Square Enix in their mind, I think if they were to remake it, they want a fully voiced, uh, advent children looking fucking thing. Um, and I think most people are just like, no, just make it a bit better. Just, just... Just, just a bit. <laughs> Just, yeah, give it a new engine. It doesn't have to be a billion-dollar engine that you guys seem to fart out once a year. Um, just just rebuild it in a way that's really nice and smooth and everything. And then they're, they're like, sorry, I, I don't understand the question. You're saying you want a PC version of the game on PS4, right? Yeah, we can do that for you. And while you're at it, here's Final Fantasy All the Bravest 2. Enjoy it. Fuck you. Merry Christmas. We're Square Enix. Peace! <laughs> oh goodness can I talk about some of my favourite games of this year that aren't on your list you absolutely can go for it why not okay so things that weren't on your list that I thought were really good this year Broken Ooh. Age Act 1 pretty damn good yeah I have not played that is that the t- um... that's their point and click double finds point yeah, and click adventure double find game. point and click thing the one with Elijah Wood in it is that the yes half of it was on a spaceship and half of it's a sort of medieval world yeah, well, it's it's really it's a really well written pair of stories that, like, for the most part, don't seem to have anything to do with each other. They're like the op- they're tonally opposite to each other, and they have these arcs that like start with characters in opposing places, 
going in opposing sort of directions in their lives. And then mm. it's it's all really well told. And then it gets to its ending and suddenly the entire experience is flipped on its head in this crazy like um, plot twist of like, oh my goodness, I didn't see this coming. I need to replay this. And I went through and replayed it. Like the minute I finished, I started up again because I had to know. I was like, oh, all these things I've just learnt. Ah, where mm. were the clues to that? And there were a lot of interesting clues that I had just completely not seen. Uh, Broken Age's ending is one of those endings that I feel help justify episodic gaming. Because I know some people have issues mm. with the idea of episodic gaming. Um, but that ending is the kind of thing that makes it work. Because it has that TV series cliffhanger ending kind of can't wait for the next episode feel it, to it. It was, it was yeah. a cliffhanger ending that also worked as like its own standalone conclusion. Where had it ended there and we'd never got another act, there would have been enough there for the cliffhanger to justify a second... On- play through on the first like, half and been like oh i see unlike tim's last game sadly I, I, I was very disappointed to know that brutal legend will probably never get a sequel which is very sad you know I did speaking quite of remakes that. a remake of that game as a hack and slash with none of the rts stuff <laughs> that's what i want <laughs> oh i wouldn't say no to that i really wouldn't <laughs> um what else was on my sort of games of the year um oh shovel knight that was a pretty good little game. I'm doing I'm doing old school signs at you right now. You can't see it, but I'm like doing old school gang signs. <laughs> oh goodness. Yeah, Shovel Knight was like a really it was a small game with a very sort of big level of polish and like just this real love in all of the ways it, it handled its presentation and all like the little tiny things that like you don't have to do with a retro platformer but they went that extra mile just to make it that little bit more special than any other one that I've played. And like, mm. it really nailed the feel of how I remember platformers feeling without feeling old. Like it felt like if that genre had mm. continued in its sort of side on eight bit format, like for another couple of like another 10, 15 years and like it hadn't petered away, it feels like this is where it would have progressed to. And it doesn't constrain itself with the limits of what it would have had to be. It sort of it straddles that line of feeling, feeling like something nostalgic without having to fit within those constraints. And for me, that worked really well. I thought it was just a really polished execution of something that lots of companies have tried and none have really got as as right as Shovel Knight did. Um, let's see what else is on my game of the year list. Sorry, I have a list somewhere. Oh. My my last one, which again, not enough people are talking about, is have I mentioned to either of you the fall? I uh, don't think so. Um, In fact, I don't recall hearing many people. It sounds familiar. But yeah, not not, a, a not enough people are talking about it. It's it's a weird indie game where you play as the AI on board someone's um, like um, an exosuit that someone's been wearing on a space station, and yeah, the game starts with you being booted up, and it's like oh. I am the the AI that is designed to operate this suit when the person inside it is unable to. The person inside my suit is in need of help. You go through a sort of Metroidvania mission trying to sort of get to a med bay and help the person inside your suit. But the problem is, you've got all these sort of Asimov's Laws of Robotics style sets of core programming that won't let you do certain things. And it's all about like interfacing with other AIs and trying to find loopholes in your core programming that will 
get around what seem to be impossible situations and find loopholes in what you're allowed to do and what the other AIs right. are allowed to do that will let you sort of progress further. It's really okay, interesting. That sounds it's, really interesting, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's like, it's only like probably f four hours long or so. Um, it's really interesting puzzle gameplay. Um, a lot of sort of backtracking through a non-linear world, trying to solve bits of puzzles to keep going through. It's basically like the the anti alien, <laughs> just you and one other one other creature, and you're trying to help us. <laughs> yes, exactly, and it's just this really interesting set of like, it's a puzzle game with some really interesting conversations that you don't normally see, just because it's primarily conversations between AIs, and mm -hmm. the sort of the, it does a very good job of making these AIs feel just human enough that you empathise with them but also reminding you that they're not human and they can't be reasoned with. So yeah, that was my things. What about you, Gaff? Um, I have... I just quickly wrote down five games there. Um, so obviously Dark Souls 2, I really enjoyed that. In hindsight, not as good as the first one, but I still kind of fell in love with it because it's Dark Souls. I think most um, people say that of it. Like, they, they recognise the first one was better, but the second one's still damn good, still damn good. Exactly. And the one thing I really hope they put back in for Bloodborne is the interconnecting levels, that you come out of one part of a level and you're back in a place you were six hours ago and you're like, this is amazing. It's hard to describe just how satisfying those little moments were in Dark Souls 1, and I really miss those. Anyway, uh, Wasteland 2, because A, I'm biased, and B, because it was the Fallout 2 sequel that everyone wanted. And... Uh, let me see, what else have I got there? Oh, Bayonetta 2. That one oh, really Bayonetta surprised 2. me because I had never played the first one and I didn't expect to like it because I wasn't keen on all the kind of... Um, just the visual look of the game. I was a bit like, eh. And I, di I, I didn't... Oh, an hour into the game, I had seen so many crotch shots and I was like, I'm going to hate <laughs> this. This is just... I'm going to hate this. And literally, like, six hours later, I was like, this is the best thing ever. I cannot put this down. So fucking addictive. Mm -hmm. So mixed, mixed feelings, beautiful. but amazing. Yeah, amazing. <laughs> I was going to say, it, it only just missed being on my um, award yeah. list. Only yeah. just. Yeah. I think, I think she's an, an interesting character as well. Well, uh, the problem I have with both Bayonettas is that both of them, like, I played just until I almost felt like quitting... And then it became amazing. Like both of them were paced in such a way that it was like, this is okay, okay, I'm about to put it down, I'm about to put it down. Oh my god, this got so good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was actually the only game this year, apart from Dragon Age, that I just couldn't stop playing it. Do you know you, you get that very rarely with a game where you just can't put the damn thing down? <laughs> mm -hmm. But um Yeah, and I think she's an interesting character, and I think it's a shame that like the first hour of the game really focuses on the kind of pandery stuff and i'm i've i don't really have any hat in this fight about whether or not she should be portrayed this way for me it was a bit of a turn off at the beginning but then later into the game you kind of learn more about her character and she's actually kind of cool and that she finds all this very empowering and stuff and yeah i thought it was awesome and the combat was just so good uh okay what else have i got on the list here shadow of mordor that was awesome uh, it was the the Nemesis system, something new and fresh, and I thought that was mm -hmm. really cool. And then, obviously, by a huge margin, my game of the year was Dragon Age, which I don't need to say any more about. <laughs> yeah, I'm imagining a lot of um, 
award roundups this year are going to have that one as the top. And I really yeah. can't blame them. It is a fantastic game. I, I put 100 hours into it already. <laughs> yeah. uh, have we got anything else we want to talk about, or are we sort of wrapping up time? I think that's we're, we're in the wrap-up stages. I think we're feeling good. Yeah. Um, just close to an hour, and people have places to be, things to do, uh, all of that whatnot. So I'm good with wrapping up. Why not? Let's 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 you know. We'll we'll start wrapping up a whole minute before before the hour, and you know, take take that minute off for Christmas. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> if people would like to see the stuff you're doing, Laura, where can they go? You can now um, every day in the UK, sort of between nine a.m. and one p.m. You can read news from me on Destructoid.com because I'm doing that now. So that's fun. That's amazing. I. I can't bloody... Congratulations. I can't get away from Destructoid writers. No, I know. <laughs> I can't bloody get away. <laughs> They're like, Jim's gone. We've got, to, we've got to get someone in in Jim's place. I know. Let's get Laura. She's the next best thing, obviously. <laughs> obviously. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, I'm doing that. I'm filling in the new slot for the UK while all you Americans are sleeping, so you'll wake up to all my stuff. Um, so are, are you going to be doing reviews and stuff on there, Laura? I am working on my first review at the moment. Sweet. So I will be doing more stuff awesome. as it goes on, but I'm doing my first review sometime this week. Um, other than that, just go to at Laura K Buzz on Twitter or patreon.com forward slash Laura K Buzz. Those are both places I put my work. Splendid. Gav, how about you, you good man, you? As always, follow me at Miracle of Sound on Twitter. Uh, go to my YouTube channel, watch my videos there. It's just Miracle of Sound. And also buy my album, which finally hit iTunes yesterday. Hooray. And it was number 15 in the alternative chart. Well which done is, you. Which is not bad for something recorded in a bedroom. I was selling, like, <laughs> I was in between Coldplay and Snow Patrol. <laughs> and that's not bad for a bedroom recording. That ain't bad at all. That's not bad for a Ben room in general. I'm just imagining you in bed between those two bands, and it's like, well, that's not bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all sharing I, it, a Raphael meaty pizza. It also hit number one on Bandcamp, so that was really cool. Mm, that's so, nice. Huge thank you to everyone who bought it. You guys rock. Okay, splendid. And as for myself, uh, well, you can check out this podcast and all of the things associated with it at thegymquisition.com. Uh, you can see videos and stuff uh, at YouTube slash Jim Sterling. Twitter is at Jim Sterling. It's all, there's, there's a theme to all this. And you can contribute to my Patreon to keep things like this gibberish going. And that's patreon.com slash Jimquisition. And that's it. Uh, do have a good Christmas, everyone. Happy holidays. All of the other stuff, whatever you're doing. Uh, try to have a nice time and be nice. And that'll be it. So we'll see you next week at some point. Bye. Have a merry fucking winter. Have a very Iron Bull Christmas, boss. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>